Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host has just revealed to me the shocking revelation that we've been mispronouncing his name all these years. It's actually Luca Gledall. How are you doing today, Dr. Luca? <laughs> Very <laughs> good. How about yourself, Richard? <clears throat> I'm good, thank you. Yeah, so obviously that's a bit of a reference. Today's episode, um, we weren't organised enough to flag this up ahead of time, but we'll certainly hopefully make people aware before they start that we're covering the all or nothing documentary on uh, Tottenham Hotspur and I thought that was one of the big revelations that w- that came from it is that it, he's not Jose Mourinho he's Jose Mourinho Jose Mourinho yes so to me I, I almost didn't get over that for the whole of the of the documentary the whole of the running time <laughs> But yep, you're well. You're surviving, Luke. It is. Lu- Luca is doing well. Luca's doing okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's been a it's been a slightly rough week, I must say. But yeah. uh, I don't know. It feels like every one of them is a little bit rough in its own little way. But maybe we just have to whittle it down to a a little diamond. Excellent. Well, that that's. I mean, that's quite <laughs> profound. Early doors. That's that's pretty. It's <laughs> pretty high hit rate there. Well, I mean, uh, it, it sounds profound, but it doesn't actually mean anything. So it, it's kind of on brand with what I'm putting out there into the world. So, yeah. You're so, I mean, I, I would say if I had one criticism of you, Luke, you're, you're obsessed with your brand. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you should live a little, you know. It doesn't, it's not all about the brand. Oh, I, I think what Mike Myers told us, everyone loves the smell of their own brand as well, don't they? <laughs> Mike Myers from the Halloween franchise. Yes. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. He's actually, he goes about it in a very sort of clumsy way, but that is what the Halloween films is about. He's just slowly trying to catch up to people to let them know his amazing, <laughs> his amazing insight that everybody loves the smell of the <laughs> It's really hard to see him kind of huffing one of his farts back underneath that hockey mask. <laughs> That's kind of the problem, I think. You well, know? That, his whole get-up is actually to preserve the smells so that it, wafts up through the through the neck of the mask into his uh, into his nasal passageway and he, he doesn't waste any of it actually it's uh it's all sort of rubber lined the uh, the the jumpsuit um and that's what he's it's annoying to him that people hide in cupboards and like between walls and things uh because he simply wants to just remind them that everybody every the smell of their own brand. A lovely seasonal reminder, right? As we're coming into Halloween. Just, <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is why we carve pumpkins so we can just uh, have a little trumpy on there. <laughs> oh dear. I think probably it's a good as good a time as any to breaking hoo-hoos. To break in there with a bit of mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm always setting the tone, right? We're always, uh, <laughs> in the terms of uh, crassness, we, we hit that number 10 in the first five, don't we, Rich? Absolutely. And then where else have you got to go but number 11? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I think the first bit uh, of news is the most significant, probably, but I think probably the one that we're both least qualified to talk about. But we've got this, there's just been this sort of, uh, breaking news that uh, uh, there has been a loan, uh, I think for the sum of 60 million, people have said, uh, raised against the mm. state. Mm. 
so this is sort of another addition to the shenanigans that landed us in well, it didn't land us in hot water. It was the timing of the shenanigans that landed us in the hot water because mm. the Derby case shows us that the shenanigans were perfectly fine. It was just... Nobody poorly. wants mis- mistimed shenanigans, do they? No, poorly executed sh- uh, shenanigans. The EFL have made it very clear that there's a time and a place for shenanigans. And if you get those shenanigans wrong, they will come down on you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you really, um, even though I knew this was coming and we talked about what we we're going to talk about, you know, ahead of the time, you know, we do a little bit of work on in preparation for different gravy, even though it seems uh, um, brilliantly impromptu. <laughs> yes. Um, when you said loan, I was like, ooh, we signed someone. Um, <laughs> I wondered if there was some brand new, fresh news that Richard uh, just throttled through from News Now Sheffield Wednesday site that before I had. But uh, no, it's it's uh, it's disappointing when you don't get news of you know recklessly spending money on players. Uh, but you have to do things like I don't know, recklessly spend money to um, you know stay alive as a viable financial option in the championship. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure like you, Luke, and like most other people, I, there's people who have written about this, people who've talked about it, the various sort of financial. football finance experts that uh, there only seems to be one or two of them in the whole country, but they, you know, they never miss a call uh, to, to, you know, join, join the voices on radio or uh, articles, but it, it seems to be a kind of mixed bag. It's not necessarily a terrible thing just on its face, but it, it, Mm -hmm. um, so it it could have positives. uh, It could be negative, uh, at this stage, we just simply don't know what the wider implications of it are. But I think it's natural in our, our position as, yeah. as sort of ill-informed fans just to feel like it seems like a strange move. It's another one of these steps that yeah, it does. It, it it's at odds with this idea that Chancery is a very rich man that is being you know, squeezed by EFL rulings. And it, it sort of speaks to maybe maybe there's not the money there to pay off the deal that was agreed for the ground. But I don't, it doesn't necessarily mean that, but that's that's one oh. of the ways you can read it. Um, two things I want to think of, especially as this week I decided to watch um, Uncut Gems. Can we compare Dejvon Chansiri to uh, Adam Sandler's character in Uncut Gems? You know, he's just frantically running out, uh, running around trying to pay off debts as much as possible do we think that i prefer to liken him to one of the earlier sandler characters you know billy madison or the water boy um. <laughs> excellent <laughs> the second thing the second thing to all of this. I did not think I would be doing pulling a Billy Madison impression out of it. There, I, there we go. There we go. There we go. <laughs> There's a joy of not knowing what we're going to talk about until we start talking about. It, right? <laughs> Sorry, I won't do a Bobby Boucher. I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave that be. We bring forth some more wasted megabytes to the internet. <laughs> line, you know, <laughs> just kick it up there into the cloud. Um, the, the other thing I, I want to kind of say is that, like, maybe I'm a little bit tired of the whole kind of... Uh, first of all, there was the thing which I don't think is negative. I think is a different way of... I, the mentality people come out with typically of saying, oh, well, you know, he has a lot of money. It's just because FFP can't spend it. Yeah. 
the thing I get frustrated about is the antithesis to this being like, oh, well, maybe we can accept that he's not minted. And, you know, and I get that from people and Wednesday fans. And I, I kind of see it. I'm just kind of sick of that argument, to be honest with you, because it's just outwardly negative. And I don't really see the value of it. I don't know if, like, you know, I, I remember the I remember the Simpsons where Homer says to hanging out with uh, C. Montgomery Burns and says, yeah. you're the richest man I know, uh, uh, Mr. Burns, way richer than Lenny. Um, <laughs> like, I, I don't really have a great insight into the man's finances. Also, no. the man is significantly more wealthy than I am, and I probably will be in my life. I'm not going to make... I don't believe I'm some temporarily embarrassed billionaire who's going to make a late run for the 1%. You know, I have a bit of kind of... But then I, I just... This is the thing. Unfortunately, it's... I don't think we've been... In some ways, haven't been managed particularly well. I think that's something I think we can all agree on, but I think it's very much a spectrum. I don't think... I don't think Mr. Chen has run Sheffield Wednesday into the ground. No, but... So, I but, I, yeah, but, I, but also, the man's been bailing us out for, like, I don't know how many tens of millions of pounds. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's kind of obscene, and it kind of worries me a little bit, but... Ultimately, there's nothing I can really do about it. Unfortunately, like it's you know, it is his football club. You know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just a little bit agitated by some of that. Oh well, we're really fucked, aren't we? And I'm like, well, what does that do? What, what does any of that do in for anything? Oh, totally. I, I, it's let's go, let's I, go prep a fucking news for ourselves, shall we? <laughs> Jesus. I think it's yeah. I, I, I think it's hard. It's been hard to read from the outside. Because as you say, just to keep us going is requiring hearty amounts of money right now. Mm. And even more so with the absence of, of fans. Um, so clearly, clearly he's not, a, you know, he's not a pauper by any means. But I think the other thing is that he's, he's also not, doesn't seem to have the, the reserves of the kind of FU money of some of the kind of, at least in sort of consortia and countries that own clubs. So I I, I think I wouldn't I, I do think people are sort of saying like there's, there's levels to this and he's certainly not in the kind of the toppermost tier of of those you know those echelons of wealth. Um mm. and and one of the criti- I mean I suppose just the counter to the idea that he's got money he that he'd love to spend but isn't able to the counter to that is there are certain things you can have at uh, in terms of the, the cost and the, and the spending limits so investment in community projects investment in uh, your stadium i believe and investment mm. in your youth system is all yeah. free you know have a free role at it so i'm not suggesting this has to happen but one of the ways you could have shown well i really want to do what i can to 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 benefit the club long term and this is such a project i'm invested in is we could have a fantastic training ground we don't i still believe we're sort of operating out of porter cabins at our at at middlewood road um and i think we must be going on for 10 15 years knowing that the facilities there aren't quite good enough even for for what sure. we want to do at the level let, let alone push on so i don't it's very hard to read Moves like yeah. this, we don't know. I think normal people's finances and rich people's finances are very, very different. I mean, 
the bits and pieces we learn about the the man that happens to be the you know nominally the most powerful human being on the planet right now um you know how can you lose millions of pounds every year and still act like you're a rich person and buy properties you know there's 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 things you can do as a very wealthy person that are just not open to normal sure. people <laughs> and therefore we won't necessarily understand the, you know all the ins and outs of their their financial arrangements the thing i want to kind of say about this is like we've we've also come from a week with you know a very kind of fetid very dull international transfer deadline day mm-hmm. that we had and that, uh, this is a difficult thing to look at because i mean on one thanks in one way it's boring for me as a consumer of news that like it was a tedious <laughs> transfer day yes. there was nothing to really be salacious but also the flip side of that i'm going to be honest it's a real fuck you and jab in the eye to the media making out that this is a giant thing when it isn't a giant thing and it seems like everywhere is you know these times we're living in these times of i don't know i felt like everyone was in a state of austerity before this but like we're seemingly going further down down the sinkhole on this you know there's never been more money in football but there's also been never more money to more ways to just waste money and it's i think everywhere is a litany litany especially in the top league of very poor financial management and spending a lot of money we've had a week where you know arsenal signed this player for what 40 50 million whatever it was and gave him like 240 grand a week this is thomas party and then in the same week made was it 60 redundancies including uh gunasaurus <laughs> yes you know and then meza ozil comes out and says while i'm still at the club which let's remind his contract's going to expire i think june 21st and I don't know, they shouldn't renew his contract based on from what little I know about how little he plays and how much he's savagely overpaid. But then previously they've extended his contract for, you know, you were talking about this before, like... Um, yeah, he's a he's been managed more of an more as an asset than a football player. More of an player. asset than a football player, which is just ridiculous. So he's come forward and said, you know, as a... I think a very nice PR piece and a PR piece that he doesn't necessarily have to do say, while I'm still at the club, you know, I'll pay for this guy, the the guy who's been playing Gunasaurus for, you know, the last 17 (laughs) years, I think it is, or 20, 20, 27 years or something ridiculous, which is lovely, but the guy's probably on the wage of about 30,000 per annum. And, you know, that's, that's purely like, I don't know. It's a, it's like a 10, 15% chunk of whatever his salary is. It's ridiculous, you know, of, of one week, basically. It's nothing particularly huge. So I, I just, I don't know. Everywhere's just a litany of wasting money. If Gunnar United... is on 30,000 per annum, I think a lot of people are going to be applying to be mascots. But um, I, I do take your point outside of <laughs> Sure, it's maybe more of a thought experiment than actually like. Well, looking at the books here, lads. Um, and presumably, I mean, we we look up, we look across. You know, if, if <laughs> I I don't look across the city because <clears throat> that's the other end of Calgary. Um, <laughs> but looking across the city in terms of Sheffield, you look at Sheffield United who've spunked like 120 million in transfer fees since being in the Prem, and it's not. I don't. From what it seems now, I I barely think any of that's made any great kind of footballing sense on the pitch so everywhere is just dripping with people just wasting money and now we're kind of just spending money to just stay alive and this is sheffield wednesday and we're not even going to the depths of lower league which is just going to be absolutely screwed 
yeah um this is this has been a very cheery segment sorry about this folks but uh yeah i i think there's it's been interesting with football particularly the premier league as more money has poured into the premier league it's i think probably the most popular league worldwide it's the one that people are most interested in uh so therefore money has followed but it's it's almost entirely run straight through to players and agents there's very little of it has stayed with the clubs um so yeah it's it's as you say there's there's big issues with football finance <laughs> you know in the in the wider scheme of things uh, i'm sorry but, that was quite a kind of slightly barrage and rant that was seemingly you know me kind of drunk driving across this uh along this highway of the point i'm trying to make but it sorry it kind of upsets me when i think some people are like well this is fucking ridiculous and we're fucked but then because, it's just because, i mean i mean i i, I but that's everything but we're just we're keeping up with the joneses right i mean i don't even know if we're doing that but yes yeah um should we just Move along because one of the other bits of news sort of bumps into this a little bit. Um, in in that the the Gary Monk had a sort of long form um, interview, best part of an hour, being interviewed by Alan Biggs on his TV Talking Sport. I think he calls it. It's not Talk Sport. Um, Talking Sheffield. Yeah, but I think his. I think he's on. Talking Sport. I don't know. Anyway, it's. What what did you make? Well, one of the things that came across in that, and I don't know that I'd necessarily heard it fully voiced in this way, but I think probably the most interesting bit for me was Monk saying, sort of intimating that he thought he might be shopping in a particular market this summer for the rebuild and plans have had to change significantly. Uh, and we are basically, we're, you know, we're, we're picking over the bargain bins with the, uh, the other folks. Um, that I don't know that I'd heard that voiced quite so clearly <laughs> prior to this, mm. and I, I did find it interesting. And I wonder what the reasons for that are. Whether it's whether the charge is having an impact, whether it's COVID having its impact, or whether the EFL are watching us very very closely at this point in time, and we have to sort of satisfy them on every move we make. Um, but it's sort of an official tightening of the purse strings. Mm. What did you take from that? I didn't really gather that. Um, but I, I think it's a very kind of valid point. I mean, we don't, there's a whole world we don't see, right? Mm. So it, it, I, I agree with you. I think it could probably exist within there. I don't know. I think that's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a conspiracy theory, which is quite viable, I'd say. <laughs> well, I'm but I'm trying to say in the way to not put it in the realm of other conspiracy theories, Rich. I want to say it's a theory. It's a theory, and I I kind of buy into what you're saying. I get that. Yeah, I'm just I'm just sort of intrigued because the, the, uh, adding something else into my conspiracy theory as as uh, as is the want of conspiracy theorists, um, the fact that we didn't get. Um, and I've forgotten his name now, but the, the the young striker from Everton, we didn't get his paperwork sort of signed off in time for him to play in the cup, for instance. Adidoyan. Yes, yes, Adidoyan. It, it just it just sort of made me wonder, like, are they now something that we need to kind of? I know they're always there's always like a tick box exercise that the league needs to sign everything over. But it made me wonder whether that's now sort of part of our process is they need to be satisfied that we're making sensible financial moves um, and actively trying to 
sort of cut costs and things like that? Because you mentioned that there's been a big cut to the wage bill that they've overseen. Um, it was a long interview, content-wise a bit light. <laughs> yeah, bit well, I mean, I, I don't think it's any news or any revelation that, um, you know, Gary Monk is a very good, you know, talker, a rhetorician. You know, he, spit, he has good rhetoric. I like the cut of his jib, but it doesn't particularly say a great deal, you know? Yeah. I also, there's something I find quite uncomfortable about the angle he has his phone or camera. I wish he just, it's a more flattering and an easier eye line to be kind of, you want the top of your screen to be eye height, ideally, folks. This is a bit of, um, you know, if people working at home in terms of like health and safety, looking down, like leering down on the camera like Gary Monk does in these interviews is is off-putting, upsetting, and also probably bad for the health of his neck and uh, and spine. Like if he's like some kind of coy Disney fortune-telling villain or something. I feel like a little mouse that he's caught and he's (laughs) leering down at me, (laughs) coyly. Oh, dear. Do you think there's revelations about um, potential signings and signings that we have made segues us on lovingly into uh, some of the recent uh, transfer rumours? Yeah, um, we don't know a huge amount about these, but it feels worth noting them as we as we pass by. Um, we've got the long-standing link to uh, big Kenneth Zohor uh, or Zohore that uh, remains. See, he seems to be a person of interest still in our investigation into a new striker. Um, and then we've seen a, a, a minor flurry of links to centre-backs. So Aidan Flint uh, appears to be one of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jake Clark Salter, who I mm-hmm. have to confess I know actually less than nothing about. I just know that he's a young Chelsea youngster who's a defender. Uh, centre-back, I think, typically by trade. And he spent a series of loan moves previously, as all Chelsea youngsters have, including the uh, the lovely trip to Vitesse Arnhem, in addition to Sunderland, and more recently last season was on loan. I think he played about 19 games for Birmingham last okay. year as well. There's also been um, a link to Aidan Flint today, mm. which seems, seems a bit left-field. Yeah, it, I mean, I suppose the other rumour that's ongoing the other way is that Dominic Iorfa is sort of persistently being linked to a move away uh so I think we would have we would uh, I think we were in agreement sort of talking last weekend that we probably need at least one more centre-back because we've we play three of them it's not a position that we're particularly uh, abundant in uh considering how many first team places are are dedicated to it so i think we need one anyway and then if uh, if dominic iolfa goes we need another and we need a pretty dominant other i think he's yeah he's you know by a considerable distance our kind mm-hmm. of leading man defensively so i think if if those rumors are true or there's weight to them being linked to aiden flint makes an awful lot of sense I don't know how he fits in this young, hungry, dynamic picture that Monk no. likes to likes to talk of. But, but he is definitely an older head and towering. Yeah, and pretty pretty darn commanding. And also he has a bit of a, a penchant for scoring goals as well. 
bit of the. I'm uh, to see him come, to be honest. I, I, he's unfortunately like many of the moves we make. It's sort of probably five years too late or four years too late. Mm, but it's mm. he's the sort of guy we should have gone and signed after the playoff final, um, because I think the clear gaps that were there were a, a, a sort of dominant centre back and a holding midfielder. And we probably would have would have been as you know as good of an outfit as you could kind of think of going into that next season. But we, we never <laughs> we never did that. We do you find it? God. Sorry, do you find it interesting that there's very much? Well, there is very much a Cardiff City kind of flavour to proceedings, isn't there? It's strange in isn't terms it? of looking at uh, Zahor, who obviously isn't there now, but kind of that was his last club who kind of made yeah. his name for his big move to West Brom. Patterson, we signed from Cardiff. Um, I guess last season looking at, you know, Kadeem Harris, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. And then we're looking at Aiden Flint, who is at Cardiff right now. And then obviously I don't think the links to Dion Sanderson have gone away. I haven't heard anything recently about that, but a Wolves player who, you know, spent last season on loan at Cardiff City. And, you know, you're mentioning that kind of commanding centre-back that we felt we need. I mean, I think we, I feel like maybe it's kind of been common knowledge or it's maybe been, I, I don't know if it was confirmed by Carlos Carvajal, um, but we were definitely making a rather direct bid for Sean Morrison at one point, weren't we? After uh, the, yes. uh, and that kind of failed. And that's before we kind of went down the path of, uh, you know, this revolving door of kind of foreign centre-backs, which led to, you know, JVA, <laughs> Vincent Sasso, Venancio, who I think mm. has recently completed a free agent move to a club in Spain, I think I saw recently. Yeah. But interesting that, like, you know, it felt like Watford was the club at one point. <laughs> you know, that we would, yeah, yeah. we would go and pillage and have connections to. And it seems to have kind of moved and progressed to, yeah, teams like Cardiff. And you wonder if there's a link somewhere or if that's just complete coincidence. It's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Um, shall we move along to the the main course of, of events Luke? We should and um, I can't think of a better segue to remind our listeners at home about the new streaming service uh, Owls and Prime Video um, <laughs> so Rich and I just love to give a little plug to another quality show on that network is it it kind of you know blossoms from nothing so this show is uh, This Old Lady with Stephen Norm on This Old Lady with Stephen Norm, senior ex-Wednesday players Steve Watson and Mark Big Norm Crossley take a Mintonis approach to a spot of DIY about Hillsborough Stadium. <laughs> How about a spot of reupholstery done on the North Stand kiosks? How about a fresh combs of paint to cover the Presto Stand lettering? Stephen Mark gets into all of it with a jovial tone, while, remi- while uh, Mark Crossley reminds us of his injury time header goal against Southampton, and that once again Gareth Bell was on the same side at the time. <laughs> Very good. Oh, wow. This is just, it's so wonderful to see all this content just blossoming before our eyes. I know. I mean, maybe this is the way that, you know, Mr. Mister Chancellor can get some money back into the club. Yes. Perhaps Big Norm just requires a hefty fee. That's why he needed the loan. I think this is making more and more sense. He doesn't... Maybe he needs a loan to the stadium to uh, to fund the, the high production values to do all this DIY work. He I mean, they're finally... out for nothing. They're going to finally paint over the Presto stand lettering. That's been a, that's been a long time, Alex. <laughs> so, folks, we um, we set ourselves in in the international break, we set ourselves uh, the little task of uh, 
watching the All or Nothing series on on Spurs, uh, sort of zeroing in on last season for 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 Tottenham. Um, so we will. I mean, I don't know whether spoilers count when everybody knows. <laughs> you can, you know what broadly what happened, but if you're somebody that is going to watch it and has been holding off, I would say go watch it and then. You know, f- feel free to sort of join back in for the discussion because we were going to talk through things in detail. And uh, if there are spoilers to be had, uh, we're going to just tra- trample through those uh, like, like, yeah, so many, so many le- autumn leaves on a on a on a picaresque walk. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I think. I don't know what this is going to be. We this is going to be a bit kind of haphazard and um, you know, take us as you find us. I think uh, we're going to nominally kind of go through episode by episode, um, but the timing timeline kind of jumps around an awful lot. Sometimes you'll spend a whole episode on one game, and then they won't even talk about five or six games that have passed by. Mm. Uh, it's quite it's quite odd to get a handle for the time that you're following through um yeah it's it's kind of like if kurt vonnegut slaughterhouse five was a documentary series on tottenham hotspur and uh it wasn't any good (laughs) i wonder if it's a case of they had tons and tons of footage and then kind of built narratives for episodes that's the thing um and i imagine i i think to I think there are some things I can say that will be kind of this, just to give spoilers to what my opinion is. Mind you, I've just said what pretty much what I thought just then. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it's it's difficult that you've got all that footage, and also they must have committed to an episode order because I, I guess in terms of narrative, it's interesting to go through the thread of it. But I felt like episode six, seven, eight, it felt like it almost felt like deja vu. Like, we're going through the same kind of plot points. You know, we have this moment of fortune, and then we go back to nothing again. Because that is simply just how I I think... I don't know, I think there's a bigger question. I was was chatting with my oldest brother, Andy, and I said, you know, I'm watching this, and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm not sure about Mourinho, blah, 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 blah. He's like, well, I think he kind of did all right. And I'm like, he kind of did okay, but it kind of wasn't a runaway success. So I, I think you can quite clearly say it was a very inconsistent season for Spurs. It was a very inconsistent season. I think, <clears throat> I, so it's interesting we're sort of taking quite a broad view straight away, but that's fine. Mm. I think the injuries were incredible. I think this, it, the way that, we maybe even talked about this last week, but one of the things in, that's interesting, there's more and more money being spent on these squads. Um, it's, it's, I think the average is something like 80% of the money that comes into, or 85% of the money that comes into clubs in the Premier League goes straight to players and, and transfers. Um, so as, and that hasn't, when they've added in massive TV deals that add, you know, 50, 60 million to their income, mm. that percentage has moved up with those deals. It's not got it's not gone like it's not like oh great we've got another 50 million to do other stuff with now it's yeah. like it's okay that's 50 million but i can't do the math very quickly but 45 sure. of it is going to the players straight away and it's not <clears> like 
you're moving that needle of saying 80% is now now that now it's climbed now it's climbed down to 65% exactly yes it's, it's still it's keeping that same status quo straight running straight through to those players but one of the things that i found interesting observing is it used to genuinely be the the big difference that a team like a dominant team like man united had over their opponents and and may and i suppose arsenal were there for a time chelsea were there for a time but it was pretty much that they had a squad full of players, probably 20 players that were f- good enough to play first team for a top mm. top team in the Premier League. And it feels like the model now is that you have about 15 players and you will have a team like Man City that seem to have unlimited funds. They've kind of regenerated a whole town north of uh, or or, or um, east of manchester mm. uh building that sort of soccer city they've got the most expensive manager they you know whatever whatever else they've just got unlimited money to throw at it but they have two titchy strikers who are almost permanently injured and there's nobody else and mm. it's it's weird to see, and, and you sort of see it with Liverpool as well. I mean, I, I think they he's actually Klopp is building more of a squad. I think he looks like he wants to have two or three guys that can drop in for those front men. But it's it's quite rare to have a have a sizable squad full of good players. And Spurs have been at the bottom rung of that top four consistently during Pochettino's time. They mm. were they were better than the players that they had. Um, but very reliant on basically Harry Kane. Yeah. Loris probably well, at, the, at the back. You know, and- that was one thing to kind of um, kind of cut ahead with the... Um, there's one bit I can kind of focus on, just kind of jumping ahead into that January transfer window and they bring in, was it Steve Hitchin, who's the Spurs um, director yes. of transfers, director of football. Yeah. Um, someone we know who's important because he has an espresso. Um, anybody who has an espresso, the smaller the cup you drink a caffeinated beverage from, the more important you are. And this is what we learned from the Sunderland documentaries as well that we covered. Um, now, but, you now know, the best was... co-owner, he just has a thimble. <laughs> he has Sorry. a he has a droplet. He has a little vial that he kind yes. of a pipette. A pipette, yes, exactly. A pipette of espresso. Um, you know, I thought it was funny, really interesting. He's saying like, and I, I wondered about the way it kind of painted. I felt remarkably that it painted Daniel Levy in quite a good light. Um, the bit I wanted to say, sorry, just to finish my point yeah, about what Steve Richards yeah. said, was like, you know, we are shipping in the same market as basically City, Liverpool, and Man United. And, and you can tell that they have those aspirations to be there, whether that's legitimate or whether that's not legitimate. I, you know, I don't really know, but I mean, I think you have to kind of come out and say that you're a team with that ambition. You have a squad with yeah, that ambition yeah. to be there. That's perfectly fine. And that's what you kind of have to do. Um, especially in the week where I saw a comment from Rio Ferdinand saying, you know, man, you will do better. No, no, no better than top four. And I, I felt like replying, they'll be fortunate to get top four Rio, you know, I don't know what he would have. It's a good job. You didn't his world would have crumbled. Oh dear. It'd have to do a few more, um, 
a few more kind of sponsored content for Nando's or Snickers <laughs> to really, you know, lift his lift his mood and his bank balance up. But um, you know, I, I but that's I think kind of going alongside your point is that like, hey, we need someone as good as Harry Kane, and it's like, yeah, but actually, you're pretty fortunate to have a player as good as Harry Kane who's come up through your academy. It's not like he's been some incredible yeah. transfer find. This has been some real jewel from your academy who's come up from a boy from a young age and, and probably probably one of the best players I think they've had come up through their academy without any great, you know, foreign knowledge of Tottenham Hotspur as a football club. So, so but then it's like, well, who are you going to sign to bring in to do a good job? Because that seems to be the argument being like, well, who's the other striker on the bench? And it's like, well, you have those. I mean, they're not, but that's the thing. They're not going to be as good as Harry Kane because it's difficult to replicate Harry Kane. But the thing that but I don't think they do have another. That's the weird thing. No, is I mean, Son can play up front, and actually, he does pretty well when he's there. But that I I think that that's where the injuries are particularly sort of. There's a series right. of those those sort of episodes where, as you say, it feels like Groundhog Day. It's like Kane pulls up with a hamstring injury, which is very serious. Then Son shows this marvelous bit of form, like scores match-winning goals in the last second and things like that. Then he's broken his elbow in a way that he needs surgery that puts him out for twelve weeks. Then the Bergwin or whatever he's called signs and 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 gets a couple of goals. Looks like he might fill the gap, and then he does something, rolls his ankle, and he's out for the season. So it, I think there is a particularly sort of awful run of. Uh, injuries and they talked about the importance of Sissoko and he also he had a knee injury that took him out for the season the injury to Lloris was awful I remember that happening that's basically his elbow went backwards um and he missed half the season uh but I I just I do find it odd there's not but do you do you think there's a culture of outside of the top strikers like the the backup players for the top strikers are very diminutive, uh, skillful attacking midfielders. Do you know there's what I mean? Like, there, isn't there? Yeah. There's, you know, you got your your Lucas Moras. You have your Lamellas. Is Lacelso a player like that? It seems like you've got, a, played, you've got a whole bench of those type of players when yeah. you're after your big kind of striker gets injured, and that's very typical for Man City and Liverpool as well, right? But like, it seems strange to me that say Burnley. They know how important a big physical frontman is to their system. So they've got three of them so that they've always got one. They've got Vokes. They've got, yeah. um, oh dear, I had his name a second ago. Big uh, Kiwi. Chris Wood. Chris Wood. And there's another one as well. Like They're all identical. Big, <laughs> big, <laughs> big men. Fr- the, you know, big front yeah. Men. Because yeah, but that's important mm. to our system, and it's it's sort of it's so strange to me that Tottenham are so so reliant on Harry Kane. He's had an injury for three months, pretty much every season in the last three or four. Like they've we've had this period where how will how will Spurs cope without Harry Kane? Can they not find someone that would do a job? It's it's so weird how the cl- the yeah. cloth is cut <laughs> that. That you kind of have a first team that's really, really good, must take up like 90% of all the expense and wages. And then you've got all of the sub positions are dedicated to about 10% of the spend or kids. But they weirdly, Premier League teams are very, very hesitant to put kids in in those positions. That yeah. was that was a funny bit during the uh, documentary where, 
<laughs> but Jose just exasperated, turned and went, are there any kids? <laughs> um, anyway, right, let's try and yeah, be a little let's more get this, yeah. shaped in things. So uh, it's nine episodes long. Most of those episodes are just shy of an hour. A couple of them are sort of more like 45 minutes long, but most yeah. of them are sort of 55, 56. Um, our narrator here, the All or Nothing series is is blessed with big name narrators uh, all, all the, always. And in this case, we have Tom Hardy. Uh, Did you find I, it disappointing that Tom Hardy wasn't doing narration in the style of either Bane from Batman or uh, Mad Max? His grunty I would have liked some. I did think of uh, very much at the start he was laying it on quite thick, like a lot of intonation, a lot of poor, weird pauses. I did put at the start. It sounds like Matt Matt Berry mixed with Hannibal Lecter, but he calmed down. <laughs> he did calm down an awful lot, but I, I did spend the first couple of episodes expecting him to sort of talk about fava beans and uh, <laughs> a nice nice glass of Kian. So um, so I've I've seen. There was so there's an all of nothing Man City, which I've seen most of. I've actually went back after doing this. I never watched it the first time. Went back and watched that, which I think is interesting and kind of a little bit of comparison to some points that I'll I'll get onto. Um, there was was there a Liverpool one as well? That's a different thing, the Liverpool one. But there I've watched the series. I've watched two of the um, two of the American football ones, which are very very good. So uh, who do they have on narration kind of uh, roles for those? John Hamm is the one for the NFL. John Hamm, excellent. Oof. Yeah, he's really good. Fantastic. Um, the first series they cover, sorry, the first series they cover the Arizona Cardinals, um, and that's I think that's the best one because you really get they they set all they set several players up as really big characters and and you get to know them, you get to know their home life and things like that. It's much more, I suppose, much more intrusive, but it's much more kind of interesting in terms of the layers of, of personality that you get from them the second series was good but different it was um it was the la rams as they moved from in the season they moved from st louis to la so it's kind of intriguing to see the kind of the way that worked on, on a kind of how do you you know how do you move a, a huge footballing franchise uh almost overnight from one side of the country to another. So that, that was kind of interesting, but you didn't have, it didn't have the layers of personality. It was a bit more shallow, if that's a, a terrible English, I know, but um, like this one is, it, it's they're all gorgeous, but this is quite surface. It's quite satisfied just dipping it slightly below the surface. Mm. We don't get, get very much, you know, we don't get very deep into things. But sorry, I cut, I cut you off there earlier. No, I was just saying that, the, you know, the, the actors are kind of giving it their, their best uh, their best kind of rada. Yeah. Royal Shakespeare kind of weights to proceedings. But it Definitely. it's nice to have that as in comparison to, remember, we looked back at the Leeds one, which just seemed... <laughs> I don't know. It it felt like somebody. It's 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 a bit more like with these. Like people are telling you they're the best by you know they tell you, but then they show you you're the best, as opposed yeah. to someone who basically tells you the best and just keeps telling you you're the best. They're the best, and that's all they ever do is all the action is basically them just talking about them being the best. There's no there's no walk yes, to back yeah. up the talk effectively. So that was the thing that was so offensive about the weight that was kind of given in the Russell Crowe one. Like, oh, everything was just such a superlative. Yes. 
Um, I mean, still, there's a little bit of that here, but I, it feels more within the realm of the production values and the fact we're looking at a top flight team. Um, I, I did laugh because I made a comment. Well, my first comment to come to a season that will be one of the most defining in their history. Yes. Really, isn't it just another season of Spurs flunking it in a typically bottly Spurs fashion? Well, I think that's the, the I suppose that's the issue that both, <laughs> well, that, that uh, it can beset a sporting documentary because if you set out to follow you can't follow everyone yeah. so you've picked a team you've picked this year and if like this one it becomes increasingly apparent that this is not going to be a special year because um, <laughs> i did i did jot down at one point that an alternative title for the doc could have been six points behind Chelsea because they just kept <laughs> going back to, with with four games played. They're now six points behind Chelsea. <laughs> I would love to just. I love the table animations. I must say. Oh Martin, yeah, some beautiful glossy little <laughs> table table transitions going on. Definitely, they gracefully uh, overtook Sheffield United and then bowed down before them. <laughs> on this. Maybe that's a subtitle for this one as well. <laughs> I mean, it's it's gorgeous. That's the. There's obviously so they've spent so much money. Uh, it all looks fantastic, and and I think actually football is one of those things that on screen rarely looks very good. Like it doesn't translate. Films about football tend to be rubbish. Um, so it's it's. They seem to have brilliant angles for all the all the action and sure. um, yeah, it's 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 absolutely gorgeous. It's, be- it's beautifully well put together. I think that what it struggles with is <laughs> it's we're not we're not getting anywhere near doing this episode by episode. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it really, I th- I've since read that Mourinho didn't want them to cover, or I've been told Mourinho didn't want them to cover any of the tactical side of things. And I think I think that hurts it because yes. what you're there as a kind of lay person. I mean, I would be intrigued to see what happens. What does he do at half time? It cannot just be these kind of pat off pat kind of banal motivational speeches because that doesn't turn a two nil game into a game where you win it four uh, two uh, uh, in the second half. No, you know, but that's that's there's more changes that happen than going. You guys need to be brave. You need to be a bit stronger. Don't make mistakes. You know, I think they know not to make mistakes when they went out in the first half and made the mistakes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, should we what try, do you think? try and uh, <laughs> go through this in a, in a <laughs> some seasonal, semblance of, of semblance of fashion? So I really want to say about the. So okay, I can go through some of my. Do you want yeah. me to just go through my notes because I've I've made a wealth of notes here. Okay. Go. Um, I thought it was really funny when they had the opening shot of bringing in Daniel Levy. Um, he was hanging with some fans that made him look remarkably small. <laughs> so I think I he is, isn't he? This. He is. I, I don't think he's a very tall gentleman, and, and I'm not particularly a man who's blessed with height. Um, yeah. So, but I'm wondering if it's like it. It's an interesting framing from the off. There's no. There's no like Jack Reacher framing in this one for Spurs' yeah. own very own Tom Cruise, Daniel Levy. Um, really does nothing to make out that he's some kind of that he's not some type of diminutive tyrant, some bad kind of Shakespearean <laughs> villain. But I thought it was interesting. I'm like, do you do you reckon the directors kind of said 
we know he's small. People are going to recognize it. Let's just get it out the way with. Because it seemed like a really interesting way to bring him in. I'm like, oh, wow. He's a he's a small gentleman. <laughs> it's interesting. I didn't notice that so much. I can't remember who they were stood next to. There were him and Mourinho. Mourinho's not that tall either. Him and Mourinho were stood next to a player at one point, and he was just absolutely like he was almost waist height on both of them. <laughs> uh, but mm. yeah, I don't I don't I don't think it immediately jumped out. I, I think I think what's interesting and maybe understandable looking back, but it's. It's strange that Pochettino only lasts 20 minutes. Yes. This is a big thing I want to say. was like, basically, we have we've covered 12 league games from the beginning of August until the 19th of November 2019. And yeah. that's 21 minutes before Mourinho comes in. Like, I, I get the mentality of saying, well, oh, well, you know, Mourinho's is such a huge character. And, you know, even though chatting shout out to my my friend ed who's a spurs fan who was texting about this you know seeing this and he's like i don't really know how much i really want to watch this and i don't believe <laughs> the, you know the cult of how much i want to re- re- a revisit the season which was an underwhelming one for a lot of yeah. spurs fans but also the cult of personality surrounding Mourinho. Mm-hmm. you know it how much do you, you don't want to really give it a great deal of oxygen so i, I kind of see that but then yeah, it's sad that we didn't get to see much of uh, Mauricio Pochettino. I remember him spinning a ball in his office, which yes. was funny because I don't remember. Like, it felt like we focused a lot on the office, and it felt the office for the manager for for Jose became more of a focus when it was emptied to set the stage for him to come in. Yes. That felt a big thing, but we didn't see anything of Pochettino there. The only other note I've made about Mauricio Pochettino was him not giving a shiny one about the NFL. Uh, that was some <laughs> yes. listless attention from Poch. <laughs> and uh, I also noted that the uh, the team photo, the sort of start of season team photo, that uh, it's the tradition. Uh, they weren't in their shirts. They weren't in suits. They were in kind of weird, like morning getters. <laughs> like it was a black suit or uh, black. <laughs> Sports jacket with a black jumper, black like roll neck jumper, and just it's like they they really look like they're. Please don't speak to me. I'm in my time of mourning. This is we we, we lost the Champions League, you know, and maybe yeah. that's all over the. I love so I love the fact that they focus back on you know everything is the aftermath of looking back on the Champions League final yeah. of this season. Like what are they doing next? Also, they didn't cover the fact that they made. They made one signing in the summer, which was Lo Celso. Yeah, yeah. Not covered at all, which no. I thought was something weird. But like, I loved them, especially in that first episode. Here's one of my notes. Enjoyed the Spurs players having a mini reminisce about that semi-final day in the Champions League by Ooh. meeting it with a 16th of an orgasm. <laughs> I also loved the little bit of reverie from... Uh... So Levy was um, he's very emotional about getting rid of Pochettino. And then he sort of looks off into the middle distance and says, I mean, we went away together. We had a lot of fun. <laughs> What's amazing. Do you, you wonder how often uh, Daniel Levy must charge his phone? He's on his phone a lot, isn't he? Oh, dear. I wondered if he had breakfast so often with... Uh, with Pochettino because he couldn't 
couldn't get out of that breakfast room with Mourinho. He loved hanging around with Jose. I mean, I know the timing of this doesn't work, but, you, you know, maybe if he's on his phone so much, he's just playing Among Us with uh, Pochettino. <laughs> <laughs> Angry birds. <laughs> I, I also loved in, in that to, to cover just how disappointing the, that beginning stretch was. They focused on the fact that Joel Linton scored against them for Newcastle. Yes. That really makes a great point about how terrible. I mean, that's fifty percent of his uh, Joel Linton's league goals for, for, for Newcastle that year. Yeah, I kind of do wish there was more of him. Like it, it just because that's the thing. It gets that out of the way so quickly. You could have done an episode. It's, it's not nothing, is it? That like uh, to be in charge till the, the not, like, all, late really? November. Is a it's a big chunk of the year. Yeah. It's it's so strange that it's passed over because, as you say, there are bits of this that kind of sag. It's I don't know what maybe it just maybe it was a, an executive decision to not show much Pochettino because it becomes the Mourinho show. It's all like the narrative is all this is Jose's first home match. This is Jose's first you know the first time that he's been to. <laughs> Brighton on a Thursday, you know. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's sounds so like amazing. sounds like putting together one of those uh, photo books you can get printed online, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh look, this is look how happy he was. Jose's oh. first tooth. Oh. Um, but like I, so maybe maybe it's a, like a kind of executive decision that we don't want to give too much airtime to the ex-manager. We want to talk up and show how wonderful Jose sure. is. He's the man going forward. Or, I mean, maybe they were sat for three or four months thinking, what on earth are we going to make a documentary about? And there just wasn't any good stuff from that period. I mean, I suppose that's that's a possibility as well. You think, was it the, it was the Red Star Belgrade game that I think they had in oh, Europe? Yeah. Um, I, I also want to say that uh, what a lovely decision to do an establishing shot of a tank outside of a ground. That's uh, real chef's kit stuff there. <laughs> oh dear um on jose's first day they appeared to be making all of the players watch jose's greatest hits on the screen at breakfast did you notice yes, that i did i did notice that a lot the, the canteen material was really fantastic for this it was so brilliantly boring and dull it's that so it was dull. just fantastic uh, so again, going back to the manager's office, like I enjoyed the employees yeah. slowly removing Pochettino stuff from his office. Yes. You know, uh, Mourinho being precursed by a wealth of suits. Mm. You know, this is uh, this is how he comes in. Um, I, I like the moment where, you know, Mourinho's there. He's, he's having a moment with a shirt which looked like a cross between blowing his nose with it and blessing the shirt. Yeah, that was strange. That's both shirt on the balcony. People take a lot of press photos in this on iPhones. Did you notice that? I did notice that. Why? The iPhone is a big piece of the journalistic world. I guess so. I mean, it's not about camera. I loved him taking out all his, you know, having his two um, his two crates delivered in, and Marini was taking felt out so all studied. His... That is a man who has moved into an office a few times, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I put my whistle box here. I put my picture of myself kissing the flag here. I put, you know, it's just it was so. Who, who was the? There's a picture of somebody signed to Jose, yes. and it looks like Vinnie Jones. It did who look like Vinnie person? Jones. I paused and took a picture. I I still can't work out who it is. I'm like, did Vinnie Jones play for AS Roma? Who is this? 
yeah, I d- just thinking about it now, could it could could it possibly have been the one where Vinnie Jones grabbed Gazza's balls and it was signed by Gazza? Like it's like his little nod to Spurs. <laughs> Ever no. the politician, no? No. <laughs> no, it did. It looked like Vinnie Jones, didn't it? It looked like Vinnie Jones. I know oh, Vinnie Samways played for Sampdoria. Because it was a good second where it hung on it, you know, in terms of that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, there must be some significance, but I have no idea who that is. And I don't think I don't think most of the viewers are going to know. Um, but I said, Jose, uh, Jose, assembling his new office as a monumental weight of tedium, though I do want the football pitch pad. Think of the false nines mm-hmm. I can put together surrounding Joey Pelopassi. <laughs> it's... Uh... Yeah, it's. Uh, I liked all those little pictures. I liked the fact that they printed out little stickers of all the opposition players as well for the. Uh, oh, I fucking love that. There's one moment near the end where he just like he stared and the camera cuts to like Burnley's lineup. That was good. You know, you see you see Jeff Hendricks' yeah. name. That's good. Jeff Hendricks' name um, up in up in stickers as it as it deserves to be. So. I, I do want to go through this by episode. Can I just deviate this? Will you please entertain me to deviate this by just going through all my notes about Harry Kane? Okay, go for it. So um, Harry Kane's like got confirmation a... that it is Vinnie Jones. BBC talked about the fact he has a picture of Vinnie Jones in his office as well. So um, I, I don't know what the reasoning is, but why? <laughs> Something... Sorry, let's. Um... <laughs> So Harry Kane's got a real poker face. Is he happy? Is he sad? Or is he constantly bored by himself? <laughs> um, Harry Kane ruins all gossip. It's supposed to be salacious, Harry. Not the dullest bowl of conflicts you've ever had. Uh, Harry Kane, exercise can make you depressed. Um, Harry, Harry Kane gets called a giver. He seemed bemused of his accusation. The Tom Lees of Tottenham Hotspur. The silent leader. The one who drops the F-bomb to motivate. His team talks were... Yeah, actually, that's my next note. Harry Kane with the most unconvincing team talks ever. Can you imagine him on Coke or even a Panda Pops for that? Imagine. Imagine if he clapped out his dull eyes on a roller cola. <laughs> Let's see. Harry Kane just moops his face around all the time with his hand dog, hang dog expression. I feel like his entirety of his genius is safe for matches and not training. The droopy of Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> um, I'm just seeing if I've got anything else on. Harry Kane, I think that's really going to take us to the end of Harry Kane, but let's just... Well, I can probably mention as well, I just... Oh, I, I love during the coronavirus when Harry Kane goes, well, me and the lads thought we'd go on holiday, but then we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he just seems to sort of shout the same slightly incoherent things every single match when he's... Uh... He's doing the motivational talk in the huddle, doesn't he? Mm. Um, <laughs> what did you think of? I don't know. I mean, this it's the ending moment of the documentary, so it really is a, a huge spoiler. But um, what, what did you think of this Zoom gender reveal party? Oh, I hated that. I hated that. <laughs> beyond belief. I actually made a comment to, to Ed saying that's just the wankiest thing going. So I don't get it. Does it like I don't know? Do I want to talk about how Luke doesn't know how gender reveal parties work and how they're set up? So he didn't know it was a boy. That's the yeah. That's that's what we're told. So you've got to like share it with some fucking farter, fart some blue paint, blue gas into a pinata football. So yeah, someone put together. Someone must have got the 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 letter to open 
with the pinata to to put together the blue pinata football. Basically, yeah, they. Oh dear, it's really funny. But there's lots of people on Zoom. He's at the training ground and he he kicks a big. <laughs> big ball shaped pinata with the football <laughs> and it's blue and everyone's so happy but he seems so surprised it was a boy I can't, like, believe, but he, it. I can't believe it but he also seems surprised it was a girl you, so think, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. you, maybe it'd be more where did he maybe if you asked from? him you said Harry what do you think it was and I was like I thought it was going to be a baby ferret <laughs> oh, I mean brilliant football player but wow yeah wow <laughs> So, do you want? I've got. I've not been as organised as yourself, but just a couple of bits that sort of jumped out to me. Um, The first thing that there's like three England lads, like Danny Rose, Harry Winks, and somebody else, are sat down together, and immediately they're worried about having to work too hard. That's the first thing. (laughs) That's that's Harry Winks, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And that Harry Winkser says an adorably mousy like footballer, like if Fivel was a professional football player. <laughs> it's just a jittery and overpaid athletic ch- chicken little. I then also liked, again on the first day, um, Jose was talking to <laughs> Walker, Walker Peters. And he said, Walker yes. Peters. And the guy says, it's Walker Peters. And he's just like, that's too long, man. <laughs> too long, man. I love that. I was like, that's my note about that. I enjoyed the Walker Peters bit. I said, if you have a double barreled surname, it's not a naming choose your own adventure, Joseph. <laughs> oh, dear. That was very funny. You, do you reckon that? Because I, I, I love the bit that you brought up as well. The thing, like them in the canteen having footage of him on the wall of the canteen. Because it, it wasn't, I was like, please say this is Sky Sports News. I know. I wanted to build up to him coming in. And I, I love that bit where he was in the office. I, I enjoyed that tension they built up, but it seemed bizarre that like he's new and it's like, it felt like he was in a different part of the complex to the players. Yes. Yeah. It's, it was like, he was living in some kind of 24 hour quarantine from them, you know, like they trained in the canteen and he just lived exclusively in his office. And I, I love that moment where he started like writing down the players, I think on his yes. football pad. And there's a commentary about him on the TV and he just kind of like looks up and stares into like the, the mid distance below the TV. And he has this look about like, has that moment of like, should I pay attention to this? Like they're talking about me. (laughs) Did you like his glasses on a string that made him look like your granny? (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) That disappeared about halfway through the dock, the string. I wonder if somebody had a word. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> there's some really fun build-up in this like for us from my, my notes it's just silly it's just really silly and stupid like i, I also want to give a shout out to amazon prime video has that feature x-ray oh yeah did, did you ever use that at all did I like during this no you know sometimes you, you pause or you press up on whatever your you know remote control however you're browsing look while watching this yeah and it like it brings up the players like they should be in, you know, have details long, of place. long IMDb pages. That yeah, can... like their actors. I'm half expect to see Toba Aldivider that he had a small role in a TV movie with Reese Ifans. <laughs> and who could forget Jan Tongan's four episode arc on BBC's Doctors? <laughs> uh, an anaesthetist with ideas above his station. Uh, <laughs> I 
think for the first episode, Belgian tactic. Yeah, first episode, we get a couple of the the kind of broader arcs or themes. So mm. nice boys, the you're nice boys, you're nice guys is Jose's major problem with this squad. They're too nice. They need to be. They need to be bastards. If you were a bastard, you would win. Uh, and that he comes back to that again and again and again. I mean, it's. It, I think I, you know how teams seem to wear, he seems to get you know wear players down or wear players out. Mm. By the end of this documentary, I was definitely like, yes. I, I would not be putting the effort in on training anymore under Jose. I would be his monotone, just yeah, it, the same th- themes again and again. The, there's no lightness or shade in his voice it's all just one mm-hmm. <laughs> one note um, and the other thing that we sort of tapped into was that Deli Ali is bad at training he's very good Jose likes him Fergie told him to sign him at Man United yes, uh, yes. bad at training so that's another like little seed for later isn't it I think yeah well they also have that from the off is that like you know they have um, you know it's it's funny, but it's also pretty heartbreaking to see Deli Ali um, just be on the end of all this negging. From, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then it's just like, you think, oh, he's being playful. Like, he pulls my hair because he likes me. Yes. And then it's like, no, actually, he, he doesn't like you. Yeah. And, you know, Deli Ali's on the was on the precipice of leaving Spurs, right? Because of all this stuff. I think stuff. so. Like, right That's now. Cool. Yeah, that was... Yeah. Yeah. Did you... I thought it was really funny. Like, you know, they have in films, like my dad told me about a film trope, which is Harry the Explainer, where okay. like the trope is that basically you'll have, you'll have this guy, Harry the Explainer, who will explain to the protagonist because he has the information on, you know, these characters. So he says what, you know, who these people are and what their background is as a way of giving it to the, you know, as a narration to the, you know, to the watcher of the film, the viewer. Yeah. So did you really enjoy that? like the assistant manager intelligence where he kind of comes back to Jose, Jose is like, yeah. they, they say that Moose is the heartbeat of the squad. And it like... <laughs> they don't like to be mean, but Eric Dyer does like to be mean. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there was some real uncomfortable beginning banter from Jose Mourinho. We talk about... Uh, I don't know, Josie Mourinho, the uh, the uh, the awkward pickup artist. Yes, uh, I I was not keen on. I just, uh, just I uh, the way he he's making friends. I'm not. No, I really hate to be there for that. I just can imagine just being so embarrassed as a football player. One little thing I loved, just it feels worth saying, just to, um, the Mac that they were using for the projector mm. uh, had Football Manager installed. Just, oh, excellent. That, was, that was just a nice nice little moment um but yeah so i don't know whether this i i'm sorry i haven't sort of flagged up particularly where episode one begins or episode one end and ends and episode two begins two. but yeah it's two where they start to talk uh, uh daniel levy gives us the kind of tour around the ground a bit. yes yes yes, yes. Because, uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I was going to say, I'll tell you where episode two 
begins, Rich. It's uh, to do with Jose Mourinho working around and making friends with the staff going, without IT, nothing works. <laughs> yes, the accountants. Oh, I like you guys. It's <laughs> 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 for everybody. <laughs> and then I think that kind of goes into, I think the next bit is, um, is it Serge, Serge Aurier? Yes. The French right back, right wing back, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Which is another person singled out for um, Jose's one-on-one charm offensive. <laughs> I Yes, exactly. Because, I mean, there's that whole bit. It's like the background. I grew up in, like, the rough parts of Paris. Mm. Seems a nice chap. He goes and, you know, donates his time to... Um, a, a comment I want to make, and you can probably correct me on this. You're a more cultured and more traveled in the UK man than myself. <laughs> okay. Um, is North London really that much of a shithole? I think I there's understand. parts that that I, I I couldn't sort of specific you know specifically speak to it to be honest, but I think there are the definitely parts that are a bit rough fall in that fall in that category. Yeah, that lovely London category of um, rough but still weirdly expansive. Yes, and I, I think London's got that thing of uh, is it Rio in in. Uh, Mm. So where you've got kind of like the high rise next to the favelas kind of thing. I think London, yeah, poverty and the mega rich uh, sit cheek and jowl all over bits of London. Really, <laughs> <laughs> six hundred members of staff uh, at uh, Spurs. Yes, I felt I felt that was a bit of a foreshadowing to what's going on. I mm. I can't imagine six hundred members of staff at sort of the club during these times. Really. Um, no. Anyway, the Serge Aurier bit, you know, said, yes, um, you know, Mourinho's lack of tact with Aurier's awful man management, but very funny. You are capable of giving a shit penalty with VAR. <laughs> yes. What a poet. Simon Arbitrage, step aside, a new poet laureate is calling. <laughs> I don't think he just flat out says, you scare me, doesn't he, as well? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I sort of put down, I, th- I put Mourinho is a fascinating figure. He's full of swagger and braggadocio, but also wears every tiny slight against him very close to the surface. Like in that first couple of episodes where he's kind of getting introduced and talking to people for the first time, I don't know how many times he mentions that he was sacked by other clubs. Like it comes up again and again and again. Like he gets a bit quoted back to him where he said, Mm. apparently at Chelsea, he said he'd never manage Spurs because he loves Chelsea too. And like his, his funny retort is, well, I was sacked. Um, but he really kind of <clears throat> his whole deal seems to be I'm a winner, I've won thing, and if what I'm doing isn't working here, it's because of you. That's all. That's kind of his veneer. That's kind of the you know I'm a proven winner. If what I'm doing isn't working here, it's your fault, not mine, because I know what I do works. Mm. But it's now he's now had as many failures as successes, so it's like. I hope there's some kind of internal dialogue and soul-searching going on. I don't know whether that's part of his makeup, but um, it's sort of fascinating to see here because, you know, he's this is on the back of failing twice and being sacked twice that he ends up at Spurs. He's not the guy that's come from Real Madrid having basically gone and won the Champions League everywhere that he's mm. been. Mm-hmm. How... Um... <clears throat> So here's an interesting thought experiment I want to give to you, Rich. So how do you think Sheffield Wednesday would do in this division under Jose Mourinho? And the follow-up question, how would you think Spurs do under Gary Monk? <laughs> <laughs> a little freaky Friday for you, though. A little freaky Friday. I, 
I suppose the thing is, without knowing, without getting that insight to the tactical side of things, I, for me, Mourinho feels like a busted flush. Yeah. Maybe maybe Gary Monkis as well. He says a lot of the same things too. Um, but, but there still a little bit of similarity. And Yeah, but Mourinho just feels like a spent force. And this kind of... And uh, Mourinho's always spent lots of money wherever he's been. That's clearly something that's not quite as available to him at Spurs for, for whatever reason. And... That's a, that's something he seems to be struggling under as well, and obviously wouldn't he wouldn't be able to spend out for us. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know because you. I think you come away thinking, you know, this is the guy that once you know very famously called himself the special one, and he just comes across as very, I don't know, unspectacular, undifferent. And I, I, I did like the moment. There's a moment where um, after a, a series of losses, he introduces a training game and he says, oh, if you've done this before, they were copying me because this is my invention. I liked that. I, I sort of would have liked to see more of that. But then I suppose that's where we're getting into tactics again. And mm. there's just a big chasm where <laughs> I think a lot of the detail and interest would be, I think. Right. I, I mean... I thought it was interesting because I, I felt we got a little bit of that with the Man City, or at least enough kind of sprinkles to make us kind of satisfied. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, my other note from the end of episode two to kind of transition into episode three is around the same player. Um, just a beginning off of what I said, episode three, you know, Deli Ali is a likable dicking around posh kid in a school exchange program. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we have to mention the Deli Alley toothpaste conversation. <laughs> Where everybody is wrong. <laughs> Why is everybody wrong, Rich? Going, what? You don't need to put water on your brush. What you don't want is wet bristles. So they're talking about whether you put water on your brush, then toothpaste, or one of the physios puts his toothpaste on, then water. You want a dry brush. Wet bristles are the enemy when you're brushing your teeth. Interesting. Well, I, I thought the... Son of a dentist. The editor, the editor had some excellent comic timing. <laughs> yes. Leaving that. It was really well. I thought there were some great moments of kind of... Chocolate, in it. chocolate bar chat as well was, was good. Chocolate bar chat is the top one as well, you know, in which my heart went out to Deli Alley even more when he said, you know, anybody who puts a bounty in the top three, I'm not friends with anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was good. <laughs> I sort of feel like he'd do it as well. I don't know. I don't think that was a... That wasn't a hollow thing he was saying i think you would be dead to him if you picked a bounty in your top three <laughs> i also appreciate the uh you know the physio who brought up a drifter which is a long forgotten chocolate bar but a good one well, he picked weird ones he went dime straight away then drifter mm. that's been too easy that's pitchfork <laughs> pitchfork chocolate bar picking that trying to be too clever and interesting Sometimes it's okay to listen to the Saturdays. That's the main theme of our podcast. Right. It doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be a neutral milk hotel drifters all the time, does it? No. Right. Stop trying to be so different and clever. It's okay to enjoy the good things in life. Um, 
I th- a couple of my notes I, again as, as i say I, i'm ap- apologies I, sometimes i flagged up where we are which episode we're in and sometimes i haven't bothered i don't know why i did that it's not helpful but i've got um i've got who knew eric dyer was portuguese he seems the most white bread vanilla englishman going so he was talking away to to yes in uh well he, he moved with his parents to lisbon didn't he when he was yeah. seven and i think he, that's where he grew up and can be part of the academy because I have to remind myself, because it, when he speaks English, it's strange. It is strange. Um, I also like the sexy mood lighting for team talks in the uh, changing room. I don't know if you noticed that. <laughs> There's like a kind of, a kind of um, who wants to be a millionaire moment where all the lights went down and kind of certain things were highlighted. <laughs> I, I did want to say that like the first team tactics room, if that's what the first team tactics room like, what does the under 23 tactics room look like? I know it's real. It's a real, uh, well, the, the facilities were incredible. Like I, I love that panning shot, you know, of like the training ground Yeah, it's gorgeous. and from the sky, it's like the arable farming of training pitches. You know, they just uh, seasonally farm disappointment for Spurs fans. <laughs> they, they plant Harry Kane seeds in that field and then uh, <laughs> leave the other field for, for Fallow. A uh, <laughs> little, uh, little Ledley King patch over there. <laughs> Did you notice uh, the very brief Ledley King moments in the documentary? There was a, that was weird at the end. We had, a le- we, we had Ledley King... Hot on the heels of a completely random Harry Redknapp. Harry Redknapp from Leftfield. I know. <laughs> Just he was had was nothing like the, to do with anything, and then here's Harry like Redknapp. Alfred Hitchcock cameo with Harry Redknapp. Love to see him with his silhouette against the drawing. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> um, also, I thought the bendy table tennis tables looked quite good fun. I'd quite like a go on one of those. Oh, bit of bit of QPOP tennis. Yeah, that looked that looked uh, looked like a good game. Mm. I don't really have any great kind of things from. I think this is the point where like a lot of my big comments kind of dwindled for episode three. Um, I, I love that they did the they shared that the South Korean footage, TV footage of Sun scoring with the, I presume it's Korean commentary. Do you remember that? You yes, know, the, that was great. Ex- I mean, that goal is just that goal is fantastic. Incredible, taking it from yeah, basically his own penalty area all the way through and uh, and scoring. He's such an underrated player because I, I mentioned mm-hmm. that Kane's had these periods where he's out. More often than not, Son has stepped up and grabbed loads of goals and then just very nicely gone back to playing second fiddle to Harry Kane. Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) He's an impeccably understated and very much underappreciated, underrated footballer. And Hyungman Son um, seemed like a really nice guy. He did. Much loved on the training ground, you know, and uh, legions and legions of... uh, Korean fans coming over to support the, you know, the yeah. superstar. And genuinely, when he got his elbow injury, genuinely gutted that he would not, he was letting the team down. Mm. Like he was, he was basically in tears, which, I mean, I don't want anyone to be upset, but I, I like to think that's how a player's feeling when they get injured rather than, nice, put my feet off for six weeks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so episode three, yeah, yeah. Episode three is when Jose says, "Is are there any kids?" Um, <laughs> that, uh, 
it's also when Jose's dog dog dies, his Yorkshire Terrier dies. Um, and he gets uh, his philosophical. York, York, his Yorkshire Terrier. Yorkshire it? Terrier, yes. I'd also like to think as a bit of a precursor that I'd love to think that that was something that really pissed Danny Rose off, that he mispronounced that. <laughs> and uh, we didn't see some footage of uh, uh, Donny, Donny Rose, sorry, uh, Danny Rose from Donny, uh, tearing into him for that one. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Maybe that's where the schism sort of started when he when he laid into. Mm. But then that saw Jose in sort of philosophical mood for his team talk, and sort of he sort of went like, "Good feelings, friends. Uh, these are important. So go win." <laughs> uh, I, I've given episode four a potential title: mm. "Creaming Over Tanganga." <laughs> yes yes that's true <laughs> the christmas stuff is always tossed to see and it's just beyond wanky isn't it really <clears throat> so maybe well, now i'm looking back at that with like a real kind of dewy-eyed kind of sadness because it's not gonna christmas isn't gonna be like that this year is it really no uh daniel levy in that one said uh, in this episode says um <clears throat> i read all the emails from fans. Yes. I thought, why? What a waste of your time that is. <laughs> I made a comment about that somewhere. I, I, um, I was like, who is writing to Daniel Levy? Daniel Levy? I'm like, he reads all of his letters much like Ringo Starr in The Simpsons. <laughs> Do you think we'll get him doing like a, a Ringo Starr-esque YouTube video? Peace and love, guys, but no more fan mail. Peace and love. <laughs> I said the January transfer window is machine tool to lift the second half of football documentaries that start to sag. Because <laughs> it is like, you can just tell the documentary makers are like, good, we've got some strings. We're going to amp up the tension. There's going to be people walking and talking, phone calls. This is this is uh, transfer window time. <clears throat> the uh, the chap, I've forgotten his name, the, the chap that's uh, in charge of their transfer dealings. Mm, yeah, I mentioned his name. At the beginning of this, wasn't it? It was. He t- he talks about how Steve Hitchin. Steve Hitchin, that's it. He talks about how physically difficult it is to do a. Trans- yes. And I thought yes. like some sort of convoluted dance move. Yeah. What's <laughs> physical about it? Are you going into episode five now with this? I might be. I, it all kind of merged. I've got a thing that says episode five. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll just cover some little scripts yeah. and scraps in episode four. Um, the nerve of Spurs fans singing oh, when the Spurs go marching in away at Southampton is ridiculous. <laughs> really. <laughs> I don't know why anybody copies that chant. Like, I can see a lot of chants where it's like, oh, this team started this and we thought, oh, we want a bit of that. And it's like, okay, it's not whatever. You know, <laughs> I just, but like when the, because I think United do it as well. When the Blades go marching, I'm like, no, what, what do you... <sighs> I guess everybody knows the tune. That's so that. I know you were talking about like how another couple of notes that I've basically made, like training always seems dramatic and unsafe. Why is it so stressful? It's the uncut gems of football club training. <laughs> it's really you had know, an impact on you, uncut gems. It, it's well, it's it's a pretty harrowing kind of film, I must say. Um, imagine some joy and levity among proceedings. It's all a bit too serious. The Man City one seems like everyone's having a grand old time. Yeah, so. I thought I, I don't I don't know that we can't know the impact that this sort of lack of tactics has, but 
we know that Mourinho, well, all these Portuguese coaches, they have the same, this is a generation of coaches that have the same mentor. So <clears throat> Carlos and Vilas Boas, um, along with Mourinho, have the same, they're mentees of the same uh, coach. So they all have the same approach. It's al- almost all the work they do in training is shape and tactics. So I just, I don't, I think we just, saw a very anemic glimpse of training because Mm. I presume it falls under the tactics banner, the majority of the work they do. Most of what we saw was the the break room, Jose's office, or not the break room, the breakfast, the the restaurant, Jose's office, and the the changing room. It's almost entirely... Mm. And we do get to the tactics, uh, the sort of debrief room, don't we, as well, but... Mm Because I think it was almost the last episode before we saw another changing room, which was really weird. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I, I guess I guess it's interesting. I kind of come up through. Can I can I just say for like, yeah, did, was it me or was it was it just the way I was looking at this? So episode five, a comment I made from there. All of these prime locations and facilities, and is it the framing or is it actually the press are carrying round a table to accuse Mourinho directly? <laughs> It felt like he had a long, like, flat, kind of thin table, and he was on one side, and all the journalists were, like, lined up, like, right in his face. It felt very Smith and Jones, you know, where they're, like, talking to each other. And <laughs> I think it's not, I mean, I think that's a fairly standard setup for the press rooms, actually. But then they seem to go backwards, too, hilariously. You know, it was like a regression, much like of my hairline, of uh, them right, being right in the face to taking a bit back and then to you know the world of zoom meetings right? yes very very far back yeah. yeah i don't know i thought i thought they were all sat in chairs by and large i think the moment where they were all well there's there's a huddle sort of thing isn't there the post-match kind of thing is is quite close but when they went into that into the room the the media room it had a weird title actually but i didn't jot it down but that, I think the only moment that they were all kind of crowded around then was when they were all dropping their recording devices on the uh, on the table to to then sit back down. But um, it is it is it's strange watching it now in you know COVID times. Mm. Some of the things just feel so exposing and and uh, and over the top. The closeness, mm. it's uh, it's funny what your brain the knee jerk reaction is. No, you shouldn't be that close. What's going on? <laughs> Um, I enjoyed a bit. There was a bit of light banter between Davis, Ericsson, and Kane about the impact that Harry's injury would have on his extortionate value transfer. Value. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. I think I missed that. Uh, the Ben Davis I bit uh, bit I liked. So I think it's kind of coming into January, and I noticed that ban- Ben Davis practicing his mock the week material, talking about how difficult it is for teams to be settled. Yes, <laughs> they always need to sign someone. I like that he's fully Welsh. Um, well, just as a you know, as a Scotland fan, it's and I'm I'm well aware that I'm uh, I was born in Glasgow, but speak like this, so I'm I'm absolutely the pot calling the kettle black. But I like when people actually have a Scottish accent that play for Scotland because so many of them are you know they had the choice and were never going to get in the England team, so they've picked not like not like our Liam with his broad Scottish I was going to say, his, I was going to say, his, I'm glad his, you. His ginger hair and his tamashanta. Not like him, the, the opposite of him. Yeah, so episode five goes into the transfer window, 
And there's some good quotes from there. I love the fan going, uh, get off your yacht and spend your cash, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'd like I'd like to think this yacht is housed within the um, within the Spurs stadium itself. Like, I mean, it's pretty big, so maybe you could kind of include a yacht on there as well. And maybe it's just uh, Daniel Levy just, just goes and does that amongst a uh, kind of a simulated wave pool. Um, enjoyed the comment that, you know, um, Daniel Levy said, Jose wants a particular kind of striker, to which I said, a good one. <laughs> you know, you brought up the, you know, it's hard to physically do a transfer, which is thing. You know, how physical is it? You brought that up before. Yeah. Uh, the documentary satisfactorily marks out Christian Eriksen as a lumbering deadweight, just pinging two balls <laughs> in every ch- in the, every training session before <laughs> heading back to the dressing room. <laughs> to look pensive and Danish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very thoughtful because I'm Danish. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think this episode is one where we gen, like, I genuinely feel like we get a bit of a glimpse behind the curtain, mm. which is quite rare in the documentary and it's quite surface. So we do get that gen, that we get that sort of conflict with Danny Rose that's felt like quite a raw conversation and one one that I personally would. You know, if I was having a similar conversation, I'd be quite self-conscious about doing that on camera. But Danny Rose sort of walks in and says he wants to speak to Jose Mourinho and, uh, you know, calls him, pulls him for a chat as uh, in the uh, Love Island parlance and uh, accuses him of having a problem with him, basically. What did you uh, what did you make of all that? Because that was uh, I mean, it was, it was quite a fun bit of of TV, you know. Yeah, cool. I mean, because that's, that's the language he used, wasn't it? It's like, what's your problem with me or something like that, mm. isn't it? Specifically what Rose says. And then Mourinho kind of kind of fudges it a bit because he sort of says, well, you play sometimes, you you, pl- you know, sometimes you don't play. Last time you played, you played badly. Um, but it, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I sympathise with Danny Rose because it, it, it mm. almost felt like he was being gaslit a little bit. I know that's the very, like zeitgeisty thing to say but they gave you the actual stats which is what he'd started one in five or something like that Mm. and so Danny Rose is saying like you're just not playing me and Mourinho says well it almost made it out like you're playing almost every other game and like I did play you in the big game and there is there's nothing really more annoying than being like having your temper at a bit of a peak and that won't have been an easy thing for him to do to kind of go into the manager's office and basically say like you know what you what what's your issue with me what can i do to fix things yeah um and to be told that oh no it's not that i've got a problem it's just that i'm picking and choosing it's nonsense we know what Mourinho likes in fullbacks and i'm sure danny rose is intelligent enough to know that as well and what he doesn't like is three foot tall quick guys he likes monsters he likes center backs to play fullback and it's not a surprise now that he's ended up playing Davis as his first choice left back all this season so far, mm. because a six foot three centre back is what he wants as his fullback. Um, so yeah, it was. I really did. I'd sympathise with Rose, and uh, obviously part of the episode is him. He manages to kind of get engineer and exit a loan move to mm. um, to Newcastle. But even then, Levy like throws him under the bus a little bit because he's like, he wants these big, ups and they're not out there. They don't want him. <laughs> yeah, it is harsh, isn't it? Especially just the. I mean, it's it's funny, but it's also kind of heartbreaking and very shitty kind of man management. Where yeah. at the end of it, Mose Mourinho kind of <laughs> resignedly goes, 
open your heart, whatever you want. Yeah, it's it's not good. I I do want to say that Danny Rose asking about Milan is heartbreaking. The yes. way that Levy reacts, just pissing all over his fake dreams of that international yes. move, yes. and readying the readying the two alternatives of the barcodes and Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah, uh, that is it's a sad it's a sad little moment. I, so I had a I had a question from this episode because the other big transfer that's that's happening. Um, typical of Spurs, they're both transfers out that we kind of zero in on <laughs> by and large. Um, so the other one is Ericsson, as you say, and like well, one that meeting starts with Levy or Le- Levy sort of making a a weird point about it not being money. Like it's like that's not the reason. It's like I want he wanted him to get him on record on the documentary about it not being money because he's like, mm. like whatever you're you're offered elsewhere. I've told you we'll match that. So it's not about money. You've said that, haven't you? Like he like makes him say, no, it's not about money. I just want a new, you know, so it's like, it's a, that was a weird, like it made me wonder how much like politicking is going on and how much this, this sort of nice guy, Daniel Levy has been, he, how, you know, he, maybe he's been much more aware of the cameras and their, and their power and sort of influence than, than I'd initially felt. I don't know. It just, it was a very aware, a very conscious moment, I think, of let's get this on record. Let's get this in the documentary. But my question coming out of that was, what is tapping up? Clubs have been charged with tapping up Mm. and fine. But it seems like these big transfers, the club that wants to buy the player talks to the player anyway. And then maybe a transfer fee gets sorted. Because that's the thing that happened with the Sancho deal. He was happy with the package that Man United were offering him, but they needed to get a deal with Dortmund. And then this with Ericsson, it was almost like Mourinho and Levy were meeting with Ericsson to tell him what they wanted Inter to bid for him, which feels like a weird way around for it to to happen. You tell the player to tell their agent to tell the club how much money you want for them. Whereas I'd always been led to believe that the first contact is club to club. Was that your perception as well, or am I way off piece here? I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I kind of agree with you. I've, I'm not. I don't have a particularly strong view of tapping up. It seems but to but be. But I just wonder, like, where it. Yeah. If it's almost the norm, is tapping up just like a little penalty charge for not getting the deal done? Then it's not an affront to speak to the player before you've agreed with the club, because that seems to be what happens. So. <laughs> It just seems odd. It's like it's almost like a tax on not actually closing the deal. I'd probably say so, yeah. Because I mean, it, yeah. it, I don't know how so much of what happens in transfers seems to really be outside of it is essentially all of it's tapping up, really. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Did you have any other sort of notes on that app? No, I think we kind of then move on to episodes. I think the notes are probably going to, you know, hopefully we kind of speed through the rest of this quite quickly um episode six uh eric lamella has scored some important goals focus on some <laughs> this is like we start to pile up isn't it yeah and this is where we bring in the head physio guy or ed sheeran's uncle as i like to call him <laughs> the um, smug aussie is he aussie i thought he sounded aussie to me but maybe you don't i just thought yeah he could be um, he just has a, you know how people, they talk about people having re- resting bitch face. He has <laughs> resting smug face. He just he does. looks he does. like he's really, really pleased with himself all the time. 
I quite like him, but I oh, also... I did like him. I did like him, but it was just funny when he was like having to break basically devastating news to players and managers that he looked like he was really enjoying it because <laughs> that's just what his face does. <laughs> well, I noticed from one of the earlier comments, I think I skipped over from the episodes, uh, Hugo Lloris mentions, uh, talks about losing confidence, but almost has a smile on his face at the end <laughs> when he kind of drops that one. Um, I also love just how much Mourinho detests having to talk to him. Yes. Uh, Like, Mourinho doesn't want to... I mean, he could be going into his own space and, like, thinking about things. But, you know, if you're talking to someone, they just kind of, like, look down into the floor. A bit like... It's also... It could be seen like, you know, I'm going to my space to think about this and process this news, this information. Or it also could look like... I really don't want to look at you and I really hate talking to you. And I've really got that feel from Mourinho every time he had to chat to uh, <laughs> yes, yes. a physio guy. And you sort of get the feeling that he's probably tried to call Jose a couple of times. He's maybe sent an email and then he's had to actually go find him wherever he is in the training complex. He's not anywhere. I I've, had, I've got a, terrible news. I've got a couple of great bits about the injury stuff. So okay, I point. love the dynamic of how Josie announces we've lost Harry. And then the camera cuts to Kane getting a bit of a rub from the physio. I know this is how we see them being injured on the training yeah. ground, spending time with the physios. But it looks like they've just lost uh, themselves to uh, six weeks six weeks of a massage. <laughs> a spa. A spa, an elongated spa. <laughs> Just to cut ahead, one of the final bits, I think it was from along this line, I think it might have been, actually it was episode eight, they have a montage and it cuts to Mourinho with his uh, little kind of like training snood up, like staring through the window of, I think, into what I presume was the physio um, (laughs) bit, the training ground. So I know we've... um, inspired the RI author gif on this Wednesday podcast. Um, I'd like to inspire another gift, which is um, training ground Mourinho is watching you ameliorate. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Was the, was this the episode where they won a game and Jose came into the changing room and said, if you make lots of noise, you get another day off. Yes, yes. <laughs> The, the noise making in the changing room, and like this is the thing, like when Man City won a game and the Man City all or nothing, yeah. they're having a fucking right old party, aren't they? <laughs> they're all jumping up and down. You, you think there's just endless champagne just being popped and sprayed over everyone. <laughs> but I, I seemingly think that maybe the image of this um, series is Lucas Mora with his shirt <laughs> over his head banging one of his boots against his uh, locker to make a bit of noise <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the two yeah the joyful mo- there's not many moments of joy in this is there and that is one of the true like, joyful moments is yeah him banging <laughs> banging, us, banging his boot on the side of his cupboard oh it's brilliant not just not just getting the mud out from between his uh, between his studs. No, no. I think I've said six was the bit with like I love the quote from Mourinho where he's doing analysis of the opposition. I can't remember who it is, but he announces that it's a very good chance to fuck them. Which, <laughs> yes. uh... There's a lot of that going both ways. One team or the other have have several opportunities in that regard, according to uh, to Jose. <laughs> uh 
so I don't know whether this moves. Is this the episode? So the next episode is where we where the, we sort of follow Harry Winks for a little bit, and he goes. It to is. Um, um, gets leered at by some old ladies who don't well, really know who he is, but he's a nice young man. But while we're talking about leering, Rich, I love Mourinho and Levy have their anodyne perv over how much Wilkes imp- Winks has improved. <laughs> Hansy, yeah, plain. Levy, he must run a lot. <laughs> a oh, lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just felt like if like going up some woman and going like, oh, I, I bet she's got some skin underneath her clothes. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, she does. <laughs> I hear it covers almost every inch. Oh. oh. Do you think, do you think Jose has had to have, I have breakfast with his chairman or uh, all the clubs? Or, I just, I, I thought, I thought Le- like Levy just wanted a bit of a bromance, maybe to replace I think he does. I think he does. I think he likes having that connection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if I, to be fair to to Levy, who um, I I did say some nasty things at the the foot the, you know, the foot of this podcast about him, but I think it. I didn't think he'd seemed that bad compared to I think oh. all the vitriol. I think that is spread across him. But I'm I'm wondering about whether maybe that's a good thing. Like I don't know if if, if you and I were the chairman. We'd probably think, being that we, I, I wonder if there's a bit of a failing that like he wants to be a football man, yeah, or maybe he's just a bit too closely attached to the business. I don't really know enough about him from a background whether like how much of a businessman he is and what is <laughs> oh, kind yeah. of I don't know either. what his background and what his kind of attention is and where he kind of defines himself, you know, as a person, as a professional, and what he does for a living. But it it felt very much like, oh, I'd really like to be a footballer. So I like being on the training ground. I like being, you know, I like that connection with players and the connection with the manager. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose there's definitely a a touch of that. I'm I'm trying to think what's the, um, oh, there's a really creepy film with Steve Carell in it about two wrestlers. Foxcatcher? Foxcatcher. Yeah, it, it... I hadn't really looked at it through those eyes, but I can kind of see a bit of that, definitely. You like being around it and the kind of borrowing some of the kind of shine of it and the, the buzz of it, isn't it? That's that's yes. the exciting yeah. thing about... Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. Intriguing. I don't know if I'd be the same if I, you know, was... We'd be awful if we were ever allowed to be chairman of a football. I definitely would make myself a manager within six months. <laughs> Every fan would hate me. We're too close. I would, I would like to be a proper fan. You need to be a you need to be a businessman first, and then a fan. You can't be a proper fan. I don't think that's why they always come off as false. I would love to see you as a chairman and just uh, triumphantly um, give real weight to your ideas by pronouncing to the fans at fan forums that we're doing the rich ball methodology. <laughs> 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 I've tried it on FIFA, football manager, and <laughs> and Evo, and it works every time. Works every time. <laughs> Apart from on football manager, where I cannot dis- I cannot divine how a team wins or loses games on that uh, damn device. <laughs> the downfall of Rich's uh, Rich Ball was when he thought that football was exactly like Revolution Six, and that you could just cut in and just beam one into the corner. <laughs> <laughs> and it was. <laughs> 
yeah, it's all based around signing Adriano because <laughs> nobody can tackle him ever. <laughs> Turns out he's 40 years old and fat as a barrel, but still insist on playing him up front on his mm-hmm. own. Uh, <laughs> the, we had the fight between uh, Delhi and Dyer. That was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and again, that was Jose liked that because that showed that they were becoming they were becoming the bastards he always hoped they would be. <laughs> I liked him. I think that was some of his best man management. I liked him mm-hmm. in those moments where he's just like, oh, just just let them fucking go at it. Let them let them let them get their energy out. You know. <laughs> yeah. He just sits there. Just sits there and lets uh, lets Ali and. Dyer just sound off at each other. Yeah. And they took, so they talked about, they talked up the FA Cup and we saw Jose giving this wonderful soliloquy at the uh, the press conference about how it's the most wonderful cup, the oldest cup, and people from all over the world. It's how they get introduced to football. It's why people love English football. And then, and with, you know, this is all on, uh, to borrow the theme of the, uh, documentary. It's kind of all or nothing. It's the only cup they can win. Blah blah blah. And then they play a goalkeeper that hasn't kicked a ball for fourteen months. And lo and behold, he makes an absolute howler that lets Norwich get back into the game and then beat yeah. them on penalties. <laughs> I think that was one of the two away dressing rooms we saw. We saw the dressing room at Norwich and Burnley. I think Burnley, which has um, UCFB on banners <laughs> outside the stadium. Is that oh, yeah. up, the, up the chuff in fucking Burnley? Is that what it is? <laughs> That's what it is, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I think they do a university, like biz, fo- the business of football or something like that type course. Oh, do they? Interesting. Uh, and you can go to, you can be on the Burnley campus or you can be on the on the city of Manchester Stadium campus. Um, and I presume, you know, you've really, <laughs> you've got the short straw if you end up in Burnley. But I might be wrong on that front. I might be wrong. Mm. <laughs> we- I love the the really awful for that uh you know them coming out against Norwich. Mm. And that was like I I didn't find it quite as interesting as it could have been the yeah. Eric Dyer kicking off at the you know crawling into the stands which oh, seemed yeah. a bigger seemed a bigger thing in the news and at the time than was kind of then was kind of captured with the same way, you know. Yeah. I I thought it was interesting so much drama but that that seemed a bit limp, though the the Gedson Fernandez penalty, uh, which he loses, you know, an awfully awfully taken penalty. Yes, but they framed it so well that they just it's left the camera on it. Yeah, and then you see the Norwich uh, bench go up in celebration. He just looks yes. a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, that was it's really that was a really nicely sort of shot moment. That was really yeah, really nice bit of uh, filmmaking, I think, on that and that. Um, yeah, it was weird the Dyer thing. I sort of yeah, I'd sort of forgotten about that in the uh, in the midst of things. But uh, the story that we were told afterwards, it's interesting that the that Dyer's allowed to kind of give his own piece on it because I think what we were told afterwards was that his family were being like insulted and maybe mm. even assaulted <clears throat> by fans. Mm. And then to hear him say it, it's just that there were fans near where the players. Yeah, saying he was shit. Yeah, so So he was just taking umbrage at that, which is a lot less lofty in terms of your, um, you know, your reasons for climbing into the crowd and trying to knot someone. Um, The fact that they were insulting you near your family is Mm. is 
quite considerably lower down the ladder than insulting your family or or as as was sort of said at the time i'm sure they said there was some like or rumors that his family were being assaulted um so yeah it's sort of a strange one and that jose did a brilliant bit of politics there didn't he (laughs) because he's like if the if the club um penalizes him then i would not agree with that and then as he's leaving he's like but he did do something wrong (laughs) so he's like beautiful bit of like having your cake and eating it I'll stand by him forever, but also he's a naughty little chap. <laughs> um, um, I will just. Shall I just? Uh, do you have anything else on episode seven? Don't think so, because I think uh, the next episode is sort of coronavirus, isn't it? <clears throat> mm-hmm. So um, other things I've learned from episode seven is that you know I think we see this with Loris, which is Harry Kane. We get to see this Harry Winks. Captains swear a lot. You just F and Jeff them for missing out on Champions League. I like the moment of the armband being put on Harry Winks like he was some Marvel character, like he was like (laughs) Iron Man being assembled with his suit. Um, Other great moments, uh, the slow motion footage of Jutta at Wolves sending Tanganga for a hot dog with his paint. was absolutely lovely. That was great. And um, I must say as well, just as a general thing, I really like the Nike Spurs training ground clobber. Yes. They've got some pretty sweet uh, stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like lilac color. I don't know where it comes from, but it's, it was quite nice. Everyone's got some sweet, uh, I like the, the Nike swoosh t-shirts with spurs yeah. underneath. Lovely. Um, final thing that I want to say, I think I found the reason why spurs are not elevating themselves to a top four team, Rich. And that is found from when they're playing FIFA and Delhi Alley feeds Eric Dyer Haribo worms. <laughs> Haribo worms. That's why you're not going into Europe. You need some fucking tang fastics in this sizzle. Pep gets this. Jurgen gets this. The appropriate German candy of success. Thank you. That, why were they in? They said, oh, club accommodation. Why were they in club accommodation? Don't know. It was weird, wasn't it? That's weird, yeah. Because they, they went from that was that was funny because you had Delhi and, and Dyer like almost coming to fisticuffs, uh, and then the next, yeah, the the pretty much the next clip was him lovingly feeding him Haribo, feeding him Haribo with a with a lovely big cheesy grin on his face. I love Delhi Ali. He comes across so well, Delhi Ali, in this uh, definitely, and as does Harry Winks. I thought Harry Winks was utterly charming. Seems a lovely chap, and uh, his his swearing as captain was a lot was sort of enjoyably high pitched compared to the other players. (laughs) (laughs) What are they doing? Let's go out there, do it, lads. Let's fucking go on. (laughs) Not Harry. I just, I don't know how you could possibly be inspired. It would take me to about half time to figure out what Harry had just said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should effing do them. Okay. Oh, well, okay. We're three nil down, but I'll, I would try and do them in the second half. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So it was, it was sort of fun to see that, um, not fun, it's obviously all horrific and nightmarish, but to see the football club reacting to coronavirus panic mm. like everybody else. Mm. Um, I know it was a sort of odd experience for our workplace, and I'm sure it was for everybody else, but it was sort of interesting to see another massive type of organisation going through the same motions and having to deal with things in the same way. Um 
as you say, Harry sort of early doors thinking they were all going to get a two week holiday. <laughs> <laughs> they end up doing like Zoom training. Harry Kane cancelling, uh, getting his phone out and cancelling his trip to the Costa del Sol or something <laughs> like that. You know? uh, I also I loved how happy Son was to be back after his. Uh, his yes. Um, so, um, actually, was it the summer after that? I'm going to kind of look this up while we kind of talk about it. Do you have anything to bring up about um, Song at all? I just, Josie had made the joke about him um, being Robocop because he, cause he had, a, had a brace on his arm and uh, was wondering where his gun was. That was quite funny. Um, and there was also the nice thing. So it's interesting that Spurs were one of the clubs that got pilloried for trying to put staff on furlough. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, which was a system where the, basically the government picked up a percentage of the, the wages for, for uh, members of staff. Um, but it's interesting. So, so yeah, so Spurs, who'd made, I think they made something like 70 million profit the year before. People were like, this is not for you. You know, th- this is disgraceful. But it was interesting to see the flip side of that. Obviously, that wasn't covered in the documentary because it's all got that shiny sheet. Spurs are lovely, but it was nice to see them making the facilities available for like testing, and um, it seemed to be almost like a makeshift hospital in a way. So all the medical facilities were the, like being used to deal with uh, people giving birth and things like that. So mm-hmm. uh, it was nice. It was that was just a nice little touch that they did mm-hmm. alongside the the negative story. That's the one that ended up in the press. There was this kind of positive side of things. And you remember they gave away a bunch of crisps and fruit and veg. They did. Well. They gave away. They gave away loads of crisps, loads of boxes of uh, Walker's grab bags. <laughs> so, so an interesting thing you mentioned about Song Song Kim-in coming back. Yes. Um, so I, I wanted to look this up to see whether this was a time when did so the football came back was it June I think it was mm. or late May. Nobody mentioned in the documentary, and I thought this would have been something they could have focused on. So you know that Sonny went and did his South Korean military service he did, while he was they? over there. Yeah. Why didn't they mention that? I mean, it's it's a weird thing to talk about because I think it's something that's so kind of alien to us as Westerners that you have yeah. countries that have mandated military service. But I, in a weird way, I don't know. It, it That feels positive i'm gonna say that feels like something yeah. he, he apparently did it with um flying colors he had 10 out of 10 on the shooting range and he came top of all the 157 trainees he was out who was out there wow i think that says something about his character in the world of looking at kind of football players that, that you've had a football players done something like that that could have been an episode eight and then they wouldn't have needed to show us harry kane <laughs> burst in a pinata to fill time they could have given so us I, a bit of songs so if we focus on that rich maybe we would have missed out on a few things um a few things like i love the focus on eric dyer's pensive face when the physio <laughs> was talking about how many hands you shake in a day and how one of those people might have wazzed on one of their hands as well that's <laughs> what i haven't thought of that Ugh. You know, I love the, you know, the obligatory, as we've all seen for every football club, you know, some insight and footage of, you know, football players, you know, within their homes, including uh, Harry, Harry Winks making a very small cup of tea, which was so small, we couldn't actually see the tea from the regular kind of above camera angle. 
Um, I imagine that's just enough cough caffeine for his small cartoon mouse heart. <laughs> he did the little trick where he kicked his uh, tea bag into the cup. That was quite good. Yes, yes. We got did. a mixture of we got a mixture of legitimate Zoom training and probably what they were putting out on TikTok. <laughs> that seemed to be the mixture of was, what the footage was bench, bench pressing their toddlers. That's a few yes. people did. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just seeing Lucas punt a toddler. <laughs> Keep the strength up in his thighs. Did you like the uh, the Lucas Moore uh, bits with the 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 little Brazilian girl? I mean it's it's very yeah. sappy, but it was it was yeah. kinda sweet. It was kinda sweet. It was. It it was just it was there was just little scattergun moments. It just like it couldn't it didn't have enough content to sort of settle into rhythms, I think. Mm. It's a strange. It's a, it's a bit of an odd watch. Um, I think that takes us through to episode nine, pretty much, doesn't it? The last step, which I, I kind of, you know, made less and less notes as this thing goes on. I don't think I've got no. anything. Um, I I thought one of the positives I thought was nice with I liked the translator sitting down with Levy and Ndombele, Tengoi Ndombele, yes. to talk about how you know he hadn't settled yet. Yeah, and that was a really nice process. I think that kind of that kind of gave us a good insight into you know uh, uh, foreign football players who come to the UK who have difficulty making that transition and getting used to things. Oh yeah, uh, I thought that was a good focus to kind of bring in. That's something that I think that this this documentary series did well. Mm. That gave us something that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. I mean, but largely, I mean, one of my first sentences I've written about episode nine is, you know, lockdown football documentaries are about as tedious as lockdown football, really. <laughs> you know. Yes. Again, yeah. there was a fight in this episode. Larice and uh, Son had a little spat, mm. which again, Josie was pleased pleased with because it shows they care. <laughs> which is the standard line, but I did genuinely feel like for Mourinho, it probably. He probably means it. I think he yeah. likes yeah. bite. He likes conflict. It was interesting to sort of because he t- trotted out this line. I think it was only in the last episode he actually kind of, or maybe it was the last but one, but he didn't actually go into the detail of what he meant by not being nice. Apart from in one episode where he was sort of, it was following a th- would it have been the Chelsea game, but basically it was about tactical fouling a lot of the time. Mm. You know. <clears throat> Foul the guy so that he can't make the transition, um, mm. which is interesting because I remember when Mourinho first came to England, he used to talk about how there should be more red cards because that's a professional foul. When you use foul someone who's just about to break away, right. that is the definition of a professional foul and should be a red card, but it's not in England. Mm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's quite funny that like maybe that's one of the things he's kind of added to his toolkit or a bit of hard bit and knowledge or you know something hard bit hard hard one knowledge through the years is um just you can't let people get away with things you've got to just stop moves as they happen and uh things like that so yeah it was interesting more of those moments is what you're watching for but they were sort of little nuggets amidst an awful lot of other stuff but there were there were good definitely good parts as you say like zeroing in on the experience of being a young player that doesn't speak the language just pitching up at a new club and actually Mm -hmm. being quite difficult particularly if you then pick up a 
a long injury that means you're probably not mixing with your teammates in the same way you normally would either. Quite alienating, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, anything, anything else? They, they achieved the goal that they set to get all along, which was qualifying for the Europa League on the last day of the season. <laughs> that's the, that's the, the big spoiler at the end of the documentary. Uh, we've sort of done broad brush comments about the whole experience, so I don't know whether how, how much of that we need to do. <clears throat> I did sort of put I put that he, I put that Jose's low energy monotone voice is really soporific at times, and they could draft him in for the Calm app. I think <laughs> <laughs> for people that like to be lightly chided as they go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it's a bit like you know. Some days you wake up and you're good and uh, you're a good person. Uh, some days you are you are terrible. Some days you are. <laughs> I picked you against Liverpool and you were shit. <laughs> yeah, for people who are tired but also feel they've let the side down and deserve a good a good telling off. Deserve a good wrist slapping. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you turn to the Jose Mourinho section of the car map. <laughs> and then I've just sort of put pretty expensive. But lacking substance, maybe a little mm. bit, maybe a little bit like this Spurs side themselves. I think that's a great way to sum it all up. Yeah, mm. I'm just wondering if there wasn't any great. There doesn't seem to be any great moments of levity in this. No, it doesn't seem documentary. Fun to be a neo player, does it? No, it just felt like every halftime talk was basically like, yeah, we're doing okay, yeah, we're winning, but we're still making mistakes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, but there you go. So, would you say it was worth watching? Would you recommend so. if, if people it's... have decided to listen to this episode instead of watching it? <laughs> you can do that as well. Yeah, I think we've we've kind of summed down the boiling best bits of this into what, like two hours now. This is probably something a long podcast. Nice. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, it's entertaining. I I think it's it's difficult. I mean, this thing could be six episodes, really. I think there's... It could easily be six episodes. I think it just lacks... It's shiny and very, very nicely presented. Like, that's the thing. I mean, there's clearly no expense spared. But I think it it lacks the... It's not as charming as Sunderland Till I Die. I think there's something warm and charming about that documentary that is just not here. This is a kind of precision... I don't know. I'm trying to think of a, a sort of... A comparison that I can make, but you know, this is this is v- undoubtedly very, very good. Um, it's probably like the difference between having a, a a good, expensive meal out, but it's not particularly exciting, and going to like a dirty sort of dive bar type place that does an amazing burger. Like there's there's charms to the less good you know on many levels less good version that just aren't present in the in the sort of amongst the the nice tablecloths and shiny cutlery of the of the posh restaurant but they've both definitely got their merits and they're both much much better than the Leeds one um yeah i think it's worth it i think it's worth a watch but if maybe if you get bored around five episode five or six which it does kind of sag don't force yourself to finish it. I don't think there's any like, you know, if you're not loving it, don't, if you're not, if it's not doing it for you, just don't, it's not worth forcing yourself through. I don't think. Mm. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, that's the international break. 
Uh, there was some drama this international break, Luke. Scotland uh, won a penalty shootout. Oh, wow. I was, re- I was really worried for Patterson taking his penalty, but it didn't happen in the end. Scotland scored all five of theirs, um, and he wasn't in the first five takers. But, um, yeah, well, put, put, that, put the international footballing powerhouse of Israel to bed for another year. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully we can come back next week. And so the next game is, we're away at Birmingham. Is that correct? That's right. It's the Koi Gaz Derby. The Koi Gaz Derby. And then I think we have a midweek fixture against Brentford. So it's back thick and fast. Oh, it's a Wednesday mm. game. You know what we're like on Wednesdays. Yeah. Not so good, Al. <laughs> not so good. Um, but we'll be back then. And hopefully the hopefully we'll see some incomings in the transfer, transfer yeah. market. Yeah. That's the that's um is it Thursday or Friday coming? Friday. Friday. Well, I think we need we need something that I I'd be pretty disappointed if we don't make at least one signing. Yes. Uh, and I preferably we'll get a couple, but uh, we'll see. <clears throat> All right, on that note, I'll say cheerio Luke and uh hope that hope that next week is better for you than this one's been. Thank you, sir. And uh uh, yeah, have a good week, folks at home, and we'll we'll speak to you again next week. Cheerio. See everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye.